You know, last week we, we learned about the dream that God gave to Joseph. Rick Lebrecht shared with us this, this dream that came to Joseph that he would one day be a ruler. But he also shared that he would be a ruler with his mom and dad and his brothers bowing down to him. <laughs> that mom and dad and all of his brothers would submit to him and bow to him. And he shared that with them. Now, Joseph knew that this dream was from God, but soon after the dream, he faced setbacks that really began to make him seriously question the dream. First of all, if you know the story, his brothers threw him into a cistern. Now, I grew up on a farm that actually had an old-fashioned cistern. It was dry when I grew up, but it was a cistern. That's where they would store water, and you'd have a, a pump with a handle, and you could pump water out of that cistern. And it was deep, it was dark, it was damp, there were crawly, creepy things down there. A cistern was not a good place to be. And so, first of all, his brothers threw him there. Second, they threw him into slavery, sold him into slavery. And then, his new ruler, Potiphar, put him into prison. Now, Potiphar had put him in charge of his house. But when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph... And yet Joseph reduced, re refused her advances. She got mad. And she told her husband that Joseph had tried to sleep with her. So Potiphar put him in prison. So Joseph, early on, right after God gave him this awesome dream of how God was going to use him in his life, he had these three setbacks in a row. And a prisoner is a long way from a ruler. As he's sitting there in prison in a different country, betrayed by his own brothers, it's a long way from a ruler. Now, if Joseph's life was kind of like a baseball game, he now just had three strikes. <laughs> he's out. He's down. But folks, life isn't a baseball game. Listen really close as we begin. No matter how many strikes you have against you, our God, can put you back in the game, and he can bring about the dream that he has for your life. And all of God's people said, amen. Our God can do that. And maybe some of you here tonight, you needed to hear that. That's probably a good enough truth, truth to just go home and meditate on. But I'm going to keep going. Amen? Oh, you didn't convince me. Amen? <laughs> Listen, God has a dream for your life. No matter what age you are, he's got a dream and a plan for your life. And maybe he's not yet given that dream to you. Or maybe you've not yet sought him long enough to get it from him. But he did not put you here for you to waste your life. He did not create you. He did not give gifts and skills to you for you to just use for you. Or just to use for your family. No, God created you and he gifted you so that you could do something so special in the lives of some other people that it would make them want to seek and know the God that you serve so that you and them could then spend eternity experiencing God himself and God's whole family. God has a dream for your life and God's dreams are not just for young folks. 
God has a dream for your life. No matter when you come to him, no matter when you begin to serve him, God has a dream for your life. You're never too old. That's an American culture thing. This whole thing of retirement, this whole thing of of, of age, that's an American culture thing. No matter what your age, God has a dream and a plan for you. And sometimes it comes to you all at once. And sometimes God gives his dream to you in bits and pieces. It comes from a, sometimes from a real dream like Joseph had. Sometimes it comes directly as you're reading God's word and God shows you the plan he has for your life. Sometimes it comes from even other people. One night God gave me a dream that I'll never forget. I was about 12 years old, sleeping good through the night. And I seldom, as Rick shared last week, I seldom remember my dreams. But this one, I could never shake. It was so real. It was so compelling. When I woke up, I couldn't shake it. It was a dream of me preaching to people in a stadium, much like the Billy Graham that I had grown up watching. And people were coming out of their seats and onto the field to accept Christ. Now, why in the world would a farm boy at the young age of 12 have that kind of dream? And when I woke up, I asked God, God, am I going to be doing that? And God just simply said, yes. And I could never shake that dream. God kept bringing it back to me again and again. And even though I've not preached in a stadium, even though I've not had anything close to the impact of Billy Graham. That was the beginning of my call to ministry. That was the beginning of my call, and I've spent my life preaching God's word back and forth across this nation, and now through mission trips, and now through training pastors in other countries who are preaching and spreading the gospel, and now through people around the world I'm hearing back from now that are listening to our messages on our website I'm having the privilege of impacting more people and seeing more people come to faith in Christ than I ever thought possible. I've told you before about a time when I was just 16. I just finished a concert and I was packing up my guitar backstage and everybody was gone. I was the last person in the building. And folks, I I heard someone say, you'll be doing this for the rest of your life. Now, it wasn't a dream. It it was a voice. And it was so real that I actually turned to see who was talking to me. And I can't stand here and tell you today that actually it was an audible voice, but it was that clear to me. And when I found no one, I said, God, is that you? And he said, yes. Really, I'm going to be doing this? And God, once again, simply said, yes. When I was in college, I, uh, I went home on a break. A neighbor, young man, came to our house, just a couple years older than me. And this young man in high school had been in a a horrific car accident. It left him with a brain injury, and he really struggled to communicate anything. He wasn't a Christian, but at the end of a brief conversation, out of nowhere, inserted into the conversation that had nothing to do with me and nothing to do with Christianity... In a brief moment of clarity that he almost never had, this guy looked me straight in the eyes and he said, you will be like Moses and you'll lead people out of their wilderness. I don't, I, he just turned and walked away. That was it. I didn't know if it was from God or not, 
But it hit me like a ton of bricks and it landed in my heart and impacted my life. Folks, I believe that God can speak through anyone at any time. Amen? You know, the Bible talks about when God spoke through a donkey. So if he can speak through a donkey, (laughs) he can speak through anybody at any time. When I was 29, I was a youth pastor in Kansas. Things were going well in our ministry, but I was frustrated. I felt like I was not yet doing what God was calling me to do. I felt like God was calling me to start a ministry that would lead more people to Christ. To start a ministry that would would far outlast me. I was reading a book called America is Too Young to Die. And it was talking about how far this nation had, had really fallen away from God. This is a book I was reading 30 years ago. Just how much farther are we from God today? As I read that, my, my heart broke for this nation. And I, I began to just weep and sob. Does that surprise any of you that I do that? <laughs> But God broke my heart, so so I told God I was willing to do whatever he wanted me to do. And literally, it was just a few weeks later that I got a call to come to California, which made Shirley really nervous, which ended up paving the way for Shirley and I to start this church. Folks, God is a giver of dreams. And I would also say that he's the giver of words. He gives dreams. He gives words that impact and guide our lives. And listen close. When God plants a dream or a word within you, it always has something to do with what God wants to do through you. When he puts a dream in you, he's saying, I want to do something special through you. That means he wants to use your your life, your spiritual gifts, your learned skills, your resources, your natural abilities, your earned influence to somehow meet the needs of people and help them come into a relationship with him. Write this down. For these kind of reasons, God implanted a dream in Joseph. God implanted in Joseph a dream. But right after the dream, his life then fell apart. There he was, a slave. Sold into a foreign country. Put in prison. Now he's still got the dream of God in his heart. But it seems like he's going the wrong direction. And it seems like the dream and reality are miles apart. Now maybe you feel that same way. Maybe God, maybe even earlier in your life, put a dream in your heart. But the dream and the reality is miles apart. If so, listen really close. God not only implanted a dream in Joseph, but then God empowered Joseph to achieve the dream. The same young man who was sold as a slave, taken to a foreign country, put in prison, was then released from prison and raised to second in command of the country where he was once a slave. That's God's kind of stuff. Amen? He was put into second in command. God moved him from prison to the palace. Look at what the Bible says. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen. He put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him when Joseph came, make way. Thus Pharaoh put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. But without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. From slave to the palace. From prison to the palace. Joseph is now beginning to realize the God-given dream of becoming a ruler. But you know, with every God-given dream comes something. Great work. Amen? (laughs) When God puts a dream in your heart, there's great work to follow. You see, God's ways are often not the easiest ways for us to take. But write this down. But God empowered Joseph to discipline himself. God empowered Joseph for the great work ahead. For the next seven years, part of Joseph's job was to harvest and gather grain, build storage facilities for the grain, and then store the grain. And in that job, Joseph modeled discipline. Now, this was during a time when there was no famine. There was plenty of grain, prosperity in all all the fields. But he still diligently worked when he wasn't pressured to work. That's discipline. Look at what the Bible says. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea and it was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure now all of us know how to work hard when there's a deadline when there's a crisis when there's a need but joseph has no deadline in these first seven years no pressure no crisis and yet god came along and empowered him to have a a discipline, a work ethic. He didn't store up some grain and then slack off for a couple years. No, year after year, God empowered him to discipline himself. And I'm sure he got tired of traveling. I'm sure he got tired of, of designing new storage facilities. I'm sure he got tired of hiring workers and overseeing workers and overseeing the harvest and storing up the grain. But day after day, God gave him the strength to discipline himself. And be faithful to the call. Faithful to the dream. He is a model of the kind of discipline it takes to see the dream of God become reality. The truth is this. Whatever God calls you to do, He empowers you to do it. Amen? Whatever He calls you to do, He empowers you to do. Next, write this down. Then God empowered Joseph to serve others. For seven years, He gathered grain. But then he spent the next seven years giving out the grain, serving other people. Look at this. The Bible says the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When Egypt began to feel the famine, 
The people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you to do. And when the famine had spread over the whole country, what did Joseph do? He opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Again, when God puts a dream within you, it is always doing with something he wants to do through you. God had chosen to use Joseph to serve and to feed the hungry people of the world. The dream of the wheat sheaths that he had when he was 17 and the people coming to him and bowing down before him and asking him for grain was now coming true. Next, write this down. God empowered then Joseph to surrender to God. God had empowered Joseph to work hard, to discipline himself toward the dream, to serve others, and now to surrender to God. Listen, sometimes when a dream is coming true, when a dream is fulfilled, we kind of get prideful. Sometimes when a dream is fulfilled because we have worked hard toward it, because we have prayed for it to come true, then a subtle change begins to take place in our lives. A change of who owns the dream. Instead of it being God's dream that he gave to us, that he gifted us to bring into reality, that he empowered us to make possible, we begin to take ownership of that dream. And we act like it was our idea. And we begin to get filled with pride and we begin to take credit for the success of the dream. I got to honestly share with you, there was a point when I had to surrender Canyon Hills to God. He had put the dream of starting this church in my heart. He called me to do it. He gave me the abilities and the resources to start the church. But because I had worked so hard, and because we had had an outstanding start, and because we did some things as a new church plant that church plants had never done before, And because we were having success, I was beginning to get attention. And I was being asked to speak at conferences on on church planting. And I began personally, I'm going to honestly just tell you, to take ownership of Canyon Hills. And so God took me through some times of, of discipline that brought me to my knees and back to my senses. And I will never forget the moment when I surrendered and gave this church back to God. And I said something like, God, this is your church. No matter whether it succeeds or whether it fails, it's all up to you. It's yours, not mine. You lead, I'll follow. Now, Joseph, going from a cistern to a palace, and then a prison to a palace, from being ruled to being a ruler, could have gotten prideful. He he could have said, hey, I was down, I was out, but I worked hard. And and, and I, I pulled myself up and out, and look at me today. I have what everybody wants. I've got the grain. <laughs> I've got the grain. The whole world is coming to me. But I'm the one who did the work. I'm the one who worked hard and and I traveled from city to city and and made sure grain was stored. I've got the ability now to give it or to withhold it. 
And Joseph could have kept the storehouses closed. He could have kept the grain for himself and for Egypt. He could have said, it's all mine. But Joseph surrendered to God's dream for his life. And the Bible says he opened the storehouses and he served everyone in need. Next, write this down. God then empowered Joseph to forgive his family. He empowered Joseph to not only discipline himself, not only to serve others, not only to surrender to God's dream and do what God wanted him to do, but now to forgive his family, to forgive his brothers. You know, this probably was the hardest thing yet that God wanted Joseph to do. If you've ever been deeply hurt or deeply rejected by family members, you know how hard it is to forgive. As the world comes to Joseph to to ask for grain, suddenly the Bible says Joseph recognizes some men who were bowing before him and asking for grain. They are his brothers. Look at what the Bible says. Ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground, dreams coming true. And as soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. And at first, he was angry. Can you imagine all the past feelings flooding back into his mind? They took my coat. They threw me in the cistern. They they sold me into slavery. If you've been hurt by family, you understand this. But now the Bible says... In Genesis chapter 45, but after a, a test, and it's a long story, read, read Genesis chapter 45. The Bible says, then Joseph could no longer control himself, and he wept. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph that you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. The Bible goes on and says for two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there'll be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve preserve for you a remnant on earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. God empowered Joseph to forgive his brothers. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Could be even a family member. But how do you do that? Well, first, you write down all the ways that they have hurt you. And then you get into the presence of God. Maybe you want to write this down in your outline somewhere. But you write down all of the ways they've hurt you. And then you get in the presence of God. You get alone with God and you look at each hurt and you allow yourself to feel the pain of each hurt. And then right in the midst of that pain, you choose to remember all that God has forgiven you. And you choose to forgive them like God has forgiven you. And you let them go. 
You choose to turn them over to God for justice if justice needs to be gained. You see, forgiveness is admitting that you also hurt people. Forgiveness is is letting God take over to deal with those who hurt you. Forgiveness is choosing to no longer beat them up in your heart or in your mind. Forgiveness is choosing to no longer think or speak badly of them or to them. Forgiveness is choosing to pray for them to know and love and serve God in greater ways. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean that you will forget the hurts. Like a scar that you have on your body, you can look at that scar and you can remember how that scar got there and you can remember how badly that that hurt. But when you forgive, you don't forget it. But the hurt isn't there anymore. The pain is gone. Forgiveness doesn't mean you'll be best friends. (laughs) Forgiveness doesn't mean you'll hang out with them all the time. Forgiveness is letting your captives go by turning them over to God. Because God knows far better how to deal with them and bring them into the kind of people that he's calling them to be. God knows how to deal with them perfectly. So you let them go. And you let them go into God's punishment or discipline or whatever God knows best. God empowered Joseph to forgive his brothers. And I believe God will empower each of you to forgive those who've hurt you. But tonight I just got to ask, is there somebody that you need to forgive? Is there somebody you need to forgive? You know, Jesus taught us how to pray about forgiveness. And Lord, forgive me as I forgive those who've sinned against me. He wants us to be forgiving like he's forgiving. Next, write this down. And God empowered Joseph to finish the dream. God empowered Joseph to not only discipline himself, not only serve others, not only surrender to God's dream, even though he had done the work and and give out to others, to forgive his family, his brothers, even though he'd been hurt. But last, he empowered Joseph to finish the dream, even though it had been such a long, hard journey. He empowered him to finish it. So I was thinking about this. I I know lots of pastors who received God's call, God's dream, who started out to accomplish God's dream, who didn't finish, who who didn't finish their call, who didn't finish their dream. I've known more people who have run from God's dream. I know more who have quit on God's dream. I know more who have changed directions on God's dream than those who have had a long-term commitment in the same direction that God called them. Than those who have had a long-term faithfulness to the dream that God put in their heart. Folks, that's what Joseph had. He finished the dream of God for his life. He was faithful to Pharaoh. He was faithful to his family. He kept his promise to his father to take his body back to Canaan and have it buried there. He was faithful to God all the way to the end of his life. He was faithful. God implanted in Joseph a dream, and then God empowered Joseph to achieve that dream. Listen, 
God wants to do the same with you. He wants to give a dream to you and empower you to achieve the dream. And if you listen to God and you discern his dream for your life, you will find yourself, this is how I like to say it, you'll find yourself living the dream. Living the dream. Living a better and more fulfilling life than you ever dreamed possible. Yes, it could be hard. Yes, there will be work involved. But you will be living the dream and it will be full of purpose and meaning in your life. Folks, God is the giver of dreams. He's the giver of words that impact and guide your life. He gives dreams and words to lead you. And when God plants a dream within you, it always has to do with something he wants to do through you. It could be a lifelong dream. It could be a short-term dream. But it's something he wants to do through you. He wants to use your life, your gifts, your skills, your resources, your abilities, your influence to somehow meet the needs of others and draw more into a relationship with him. And God will meet you and he will empower you to achieve the dream. I want to ask you tonight, what is God's dream for your life? Or for the rest of your life? As I mentioned earlier, sometimes we think at 65 in America, we just retired, we're done, can't do anything else for God. That's not true. There are lots of people that that's when they're just turning on for Jesus. <laughs> and they do great things for God. What is God's dream for your life? I want to encourage you to listen to God. Begin asking God, what is your dream for my life, for the rest of my life? And if you listen and you seek him long enough, he will put that dream in you. Would you pray with me tonight as we close? Father, we thank you for the, the stories of the past. Tonight, the story of Joseph. You are a speaking God. You spoke to your people in the past and you're still speaking to us today. So God, right here and right now as we close tonight, we just lift a prayer like this up to you and maybe you'd like to repeat this in your heart after me tonight. Father, speak your dream for my life into my heart. I commit right now to listen for your dream. I am your servant. I will listen for your direction. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.